Hello, loves. Welcome back. This episode is going to be a little bit different, um, more of a free form, if you will, as I don't really have any notes and I'm almost treating this <laughs> like my personal uh, journal session, journal entry. And the reason being is that I think you might really resonate with this and you're probably going to feel really seen and heard and understood and like you're not alone um, with the feelings that you are experiencing. And it's this idea that, you know, we're supposed to have all of this figured out as high achieving, high performing women who are succeeding at so much in their life, yet this thing that's happening in our personal life and with the relationship with our partner and this, you know, struggling to try to get pregnant and we have this like life on the inside that no one knows about, right? And we have this front that everything is fine as usual. In fact, it's great, never been better. Um, and it's this incongruency that is causing so much tension in your life. And it almost feels like you are walking on eggshells at any that at any moment, if someone says something, it could trigger you into a spiral. You might even be on the verge of crying. You might even, you know, think about that feeling of when you're going to a friend's barbecue or a family dinner and just dreading that you don't have any great news to share. And, you know, you're making that mean something about you, that your life isn't going the way that you want it to. And you're stuck in this place in your life and while everyone else is moving forward. And I know that sounds really general, but I am going to share a story with you of something that I like it's so ripe <laughs> that I just worked through and processed through and it was absolutely perfect timing because when I shared this story with my mastermind clients you know they were all like oh my god I needed to hear this like I am going through a version of this behind the scenes as well and whenever something like that happens I know that okay this is a collective thing that we are all going through and you know it's my it is my responsibility as as a coach as someone who is doing this work consistently as a leader of this movement if you will to speak of this and be really vulnerable and shed light on it because when we do that it it shifts it transmutes it alchemizes into something so much sweeter and that's what I really want to share with you today. And so there's this story that, you know, over the past few years, I've made a lot of transitions in my life. Um, we moved out into the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, closest like tiny town is 30 minutes away. Um, nearest neighbor is like miles and miles and miles down the road. So we, we really do live in the middle of nowhere. And I'm, I'm used to this. I grew up in an extremely small farm town in northern Montana, so I'm used to this. But the thought of leaving my friends and this life and, you know, the gym that I went to and all of these conveniences that you have in a city and just feeling like you're a part of something and... You know, you can just run down and meet a friend or be invited over for dinner. And it's, there's just something about being near people where you feel included. And so you're 
essentially giving that up in a sense physically when you move out into the middle of nowhere. And yes, there are ways to continue to uh, create and cultivate community wherever you are and thank goodness for the kind of work that I do and the close friendships that I do have because those are still maintained out here. But for anyone who has like taken a vacation to the middle of nowhere, it's like, okay, you've got a little taste of that quietness, of that seclusion, and now you're really craving to get back to life, right? Well, imagine holding the tension of that for <laughs> three years. And what, you know, I've, I've always been taught to just put your head down, see the positive. You're so lucky to live where you get to live. Um, you know, the reason why we moved out to the middle of nowhere is because my husband's family has this beautiful, amazing cattle ranch in Eastern Montana. And, you know, it's, he is essentially going to, you know, start to gradually take it over, take it over, take it over. And that's why we're here. And I knew, you know, the day that I married him, I knew that this would eventually be our destiny is to move out here. And so when the day came, um, at the same moment, I was pregnant. And so we were living across the state. So he was living on the ranch, like building our house. And I was still in the city, quote unquote, the city, as much as, you know, cities are cities in Montana, you know, staying at that other house and, you know, working from home. We didn't have internet out at the ranch really. So I had to stay back at the other house and work from home. And then I would come and visit and stay in his parents' basement, um, you know, every other weekend. And we did that for almost, we did that for a year. And nine months of that, I was pregnant. And so just experiencing my pregnancy all alone and dreadful, awful morning sickness to the point where I was just cuddled up on the couch, just staring into the abyss. Like it even hurt to watch TV. So I just sat there, <laughs> curled up in the fetal position, just like, I tried so hard and for so long to try to get pregnant and now I'm pregnant and I hate it. I hate this feeling, the nausea, the I can't eat anything. It's just so miserable. And at that point, I just buried it, right? Because I thought I need to be grateful. I'm finally pregnant, be grateful. And so I suppressed it. I suppressed the frustration that I was feeling. I suppressed the resentment that I was feeling and the fear that I was feeling. I just buried it and just distracted myself and like, okay, it's, you know, it's eight weeks, it's nine weeks, it's 10 weeks, it's 11 weeks. And finally around week 20, I started to feel better. Um, and, and all of it went away, right? I never dealt with that underlying anger and frustration and fear. I just distracted myself and kept pushing forward. And then here comes the moment when we are selling our house and we're moving out to the ranch and we're starting to live out here and I'm starting to feel the seclusion, right? I'm starting to feel the loneliness and uh, starting to get really jealous of, you know, my friends who are getting together without me because I'm not there. And again, I just tuck it down. I tuck it down. I tuck it down. Um, I tuck all that frustration and resentment down. And then comes the moment where, okay, I, I have a baby now. And, you know, waking up every two hours, one hour throughout the night, um, you know, this carrying on through 
gosh, like six or seven months of, you know, the newborn phase. And again, it's just survival mode. Like I have a baby. I should be so grateful. Tuck down the frustration, tuck down the resentment, just get through it. Just push on to the, ne- to the next day. And it wasn't until a couple, oh gosh, a week ago where Atlee, my daughter, she's almost two and it's been seven months since she's slept through the night. And I don't mean just, oh, she wakes up and yeah, it's hard. No, I mean, she will not go to sleep until 1030 at night. She wakes up screaming every hour to two hours throughout the night. The only way for me to actually sleep is to just keep her in bed with me instead of getting up and going to her room and picking her up out of the crib and rocking her back to sleep and then putting her back down, then trying to find fall asleep again. Instead, I just keep her in my bed so I can roll over, you know, feed her some milk and comfort her and then kind of doze back off. Well, the problem is she wakes up every 15 to 30 minutes kicking and crying out and it's just sent us on this rat race of trying to figure out what is wrong with this seemingly healthy little girl like is it emotional is there something i'm not doing right am i not giving her enough love what is going on and um it led us down the road of finally working with a homeopath and figuring out that she's had this chronic earache and getting that cleared up and then we've had this like chronic digestive issue where we almost thought her liver was failing because her her um her poop was just like pure white and was really freaking us out. She was in a ton of pain trying to pass gas. And oh my gosh, it's just been one thing after that next, after the next in this survival mode. And what did I do? I pushed down the frustration. I pushed down the resentment because I was afraid of letting myself actually feel those things. And instead what happened is I suppressed it so much that I started to begin turning really hostile. I started to turn hostile towards my family, towards myself, you know, just really passive aggressive. Like I remember just the lowest of the low was just like, I was so, had such a bad night of sleep. I remember waking up and my husband trying to comfort me and I literally just like pushed by and walked by him. Like didn't even recognize that he was there because I felt so victimized. Like this is not fair. This is not how motherhood should be. Like I haven't slept in eight months. Like this is not what I expected. And I never voiced this to anyone because how, like, how dare you? You know, you, this having a child is a blessing. It's a miracle. Like, how dare you? Um, And that's what was really going on in the narrative. And so I had one side of me who was just so frustrated, so resentful, felt so victimized, like, dare I say, hated this new role of being a mother because like there was nothing left of me, left. Like there was no fun, there was no happiness, there was no creativity, there was no energy to go exercise, there was no bliss of just being outside, there was no more travel, there was nothing. There was no more friendships, there was no like being, just getting to be with my family because every trip we took at least screamed the whole time. Every, you know, friend's house that we go to, she'd throw a fit and we'd have to come home early. I mean, it was, it was just like, I felt so resentful because this was not what I expected. And then at the same time, I felt so guilty about it. 
And because of that, I kept it all inside. And when you keep stuff like that inside, it continues to brew. It causes dis-ease and ultimately turned up like a lot of hostility for me. And of course, this carries over to every single part of my life, right? I'm not able to be there for others. I'm not able to be there for myself. And I'm just holding all of this guilt around needing to be this picture-perfect mom, thinking that by over-nurturing her, that I would feel enough, that it would make the guilt go away, that it would finally mean that I'm a good enough mom. And I imagine that you are probably feeling this way too at some point, whether you know, you're trying to get pregnant just for the first time. And it's really hard for you to not feel that anger and that frustration and the resentment, at least to voice it. Because how dare you not be grateful for the life that you have, for the husband or the partner that you have. Or if you already do have a child or two or three and you're trying for that next and you're feeling so frustrated and angry because you can't have what you desire, yet at the same time you're feeling so resentful, or sorry, you're feeling so guilty because how dare you? You already have these beautiful children. How dare you not be grateful for this just being enough? And you can probably feel this on some sense in your fertility journey, all of these conflicting emotions which just make you want to keep it all inside because how could you possibly sort through this? For me, it was fear of actually voicing this. I was afraid if I told my husband that I don't like being a mom. Like, this is not what I expected. Like, I'm out. I was afraid of how he would look at me. Because here's the thing, of course, I'm not leaving my family, of course. I'm not walking out, like, of But I was making it mean that if I let myself admit that, that that's what that meant. And you might be afraid of that as well. You might be afraid of admitting that, you know what? This does suck. Maybe I don't want this. You know what? If it's this freaking hard, maybe it's not even worth it. Maybe I should just give up and settle. You're afraid that if you just voice those things out loud, it means that it's true and it means something about you. But it doesn't. The thing about emotions is that our culture has done an amazing job at labeling which ones are good and which ones are bad. And the funny thing is, is that our culture doesn't let us feel the bad emotions and they also guilt you if you feel the good emotions. <laughs> you ever notice that? Like, oh, don't have too much fun or God forbid you relax and enjoy and have some pleasure in your life. Guilt, 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 guilt. And if you feel the really low emotions, the sadness, the anger, Oh my gosh, what a bad person for feeling that. I can't believe you're actually feeling that. You should be grateful. So it limits us to be in this tiny little narrow field of view of just contentment and monotony. 
this gray zone. And if you feel anything outside of that, then you're a bad person. You're wrong. How dare you? The thing about emotions is that it's actually just energy. <laughs> and to put this into perspective, I want you to think of the radio. If anyone listens to that anymore. And each station of the radio has a certain frequency. 101.1, 97.5, whatever. Each one of those frequencies is just a different height of amplitude of energy, of an energy wave. Is 97.5 bad and 101.1 good? No, it's just a different frequency. I want you to start thinking about your emotions in this way. Sadness is at a lower amplitude of frequency. Bliss is at a really high amplitude of frequency. Neither is good and neither is bad. And neither is meant to be your set point. I also want you to start thinking about your emotions like a wave. A wave coming in like a breath in and a wave out like a breath out, right? So you're welcoming in and holding space for it and allowing it to be, and then you're letting it go. That is exactly how I want you to start thinking of your emotions. Now, everything that I've described about my experience this past week in the past three years has been anything but that, right? And you're likely feeling that as well. For example, I'm not letting the anger and resentment welcome in, hold it, and letting it go. Instead, I sense that it's there, and I make it mean something really bad about myself, and then I suppress it, and I keep it stuck in my body. And then it starts coming out towards these hostile, trigger, reactive, shutdown patterns. And the reason why is twofold. One, culturally, just like I explained, you're a bad person for feeling this way. Well, Jesus, if I'm a bad person for feeling this, I'm not going to let myself feel that way. Suppress, suppress, suppress. Yay, now I'm a good girl, see? And then two, it's this pattern that we've learned from our own parents in our childhood. So like many of you, you probably didn't have a very emotionally available mom or dad. To have two emotionally available parents, you're kind of an alien. <laughs> you're kind of an alien. And please send me an Instagram DM and I will interview on this podcast and so we can learn from you. One of your parents was likely very emotionally unavailable. And what this looks like is not feeling safe as a child to fully express your emotions, meaning... Mommy, I'm feeling just so sad right now and I don't really know how to deal with it and I'm just feeling so right. And we probably all had that point where we were crying about something and we really let ourselves be seen and be vulnerable and then we witnessed whatever parent that was see us and not accept us. Whether they abandoned you, maybe they saw you in your room crying and they walked in and looks really awkward and just kind of walked out like, oh, I'll just let her be with her feelings. This is really weird. I don't really know how to handle this. 
And so what did you make that mean? I'm rejected. I'm abandoned when I express myself. (laughs) The F if I'm ever going to do that again, that was more hurtful than what I was sad about. Or the other end of the spectrum where you were modeled like just extreme outbursts. So instead of just putting your head down and pushing through it and not, not allowing yourself to feel things, the opposite was true where like there was no skill set of how to move through your emotions and it was just outbursts and anger and throwing things and physical expression of your feelings. Both sides of the spectrum are examples of losing your power, of letting something outside of you take control over you. And you all know that... (laughs) title of this podcast is own your fertility, right? Own yourself. And a part of that is owning your emotions, owning them, not making them mean something about you, but embracing them, claiming them, allowing them, accepting them. And we have an incredible process, um, inside of the energy vault, which is this extraordinary collection of uh, practices to work through triggers, work through emotions, and essentially do this process, you know, in in a seven minute guided meditation. So that you get to work through a trigger and get to the other side and realize, oh, that wasn't so bad. Not only that, but I actually learned something about myself. I actually came home to myself. I healed a little part of my inner child that had been abandoned and rejected and unaccepted and unloved for decades. And just imagine using every single opportunity in your life where you do feel triggered, where you do feel emotions, anxiety, overwhelm, all of it. And instead of suppressing it and distracting yourself and numbing out or reacting to it, you actually get to digest it. And when you digest it, you don't get triggered by that thing anymore. Right? That friend who just like, oh, gets under your skin every single time. You don't know why. Taking it through this seven minute process and coming out on the other side and being like, oh my God, that's why that triggered me so much. And now that I've brought that little piece of me home and I've loved that little piece, she doesn't trigger me anymore. And I get to love her unconditionally. That's incredible. That's what this process is available to you. But going back to my story of feeling, of having all of this anger and resentment and not allowing myself to feel it because I was afraid that if I went there, what would that, what would that mean for me? Would I just get even more angry? Would I get trapped in that place? I was trying to avoid letting myself feel it because I was afraid of it never ending. And so I thought that I had control over it by suppressing it. And that's the real thing that I want you to pick up and recognize is where are you trying to control and suppress your emotions because you're making them mean something about yourself. For a lot of my clients right now, it is that anger, it is that resentment, And here's the truth. That's just a front. (laughs) It's not actually the real thing. 
the anger and the resentment, just think of it like this shell of protection, like a sword, if you will, always on the defense, trying to protect what's really hidden inside, right? So that reactive, defensive mechanism that your subconscious is playing out, it's actually protecting something much deeper. It's protecting this deep emotional vulnerability and often it's sadness. It's the deepest sadness and grief that you've yet to let yourself feel. So let me explain. When I finally did come to terms that, okay, you know what? I'm really angry. I've been really angry lately. Been angry about this. I've been angry about living in the middle of nowhere. I've been angry about this and that and the no sleep and the just, ugh, all of it. I'm just so angry. I'm just so tired of being so angry. And I actually voiced this to my husband. And he just listened. And he said, I know, me too. And it was like, oh, really? It's not just me? Here I was making myself so wrong for being the only one in the world who could ever possibly feel this thing. <laughs> and here the person sitting next to me was feeling all those same things. And we finally just got to see each other for the first time in months. And we got to understand each other and also feel so connected to each other. And from that point, that's when I could see deep down, I was just really sad about being unhappy. I was just really sad that I was you know, that I didn't get to see my friends every day, that I wasn't exactly living in the most beautiful place that I wanted to live in. And I was just unhappy that we have to experience winter for seven months of the year. And I just let myself feel sad about that stuff because again, this doesn't mean anything. But not feeling that in your body, that's when it turns into something. That's when it turns into all of this hostility and resentment and anger and layers and layers and layers. And that's what persists, the unhappiness. The thing is, we're so afraid to feel unhappy and sad. Because in the past, when we did, we got stuck there for weeks, for months, for years. And I talk about this difference is that there is such a difference between like reliving the stories in your head versus processing and feeling the emotions in your body. See, what you're probably really used to is getting stuck in your head and swirling in stories, which is then making you feel stuck, unlucky, unloved, unaccepted versus actually taking it into your body so that it can digest it and process it and let it let go like a wave, like a breath out. An example of this was, and a lot of you can relate to this, 
was after I miscarried for the first time, I didn't let myself actually feel anything. On the outside, yeah, I cried and cried and cried and I beat on a pillow and I just was like, God, this is so unfair, this is so unfair, this is so unfair. But I didn't have a process of actually taking it into my body. And so what this looks like is waking up every day and, oh, wonder what kind of crap is going to happen today. Oh, well, no surprise. Nothing ever good happens for me anyway. And you're just retelling all of these stories. It's like, oh, it's not like I'm going to get pregnant this cycle anyway. You're repeating all of these scarcity limiting beliefs in your head and reaffirming all of those limiting beliefs, which is then making you feel really shitty. And you just go around and round and round and round and round and round and go around and round you go. Versus actually taking it to and digesting it in your body, which is what we go through so deeply inside of all of my programs. And the difference here looks like, okay, I am feeling angry and I am feeling like this is never going to happen for me. And I'm feeling just so angry at my body right now for never doing what I needed to do. And I'm just scared of what my partner is going to think if I can't get pregnant and what my life is going to look like if this doesn't happen for me. Like, what am I going to do? I've wanted to be a mom since I can remember. Like, what am I going to do if the one and only purpose that I have on this earth, I can't do it. And what you do is you experience those emotions and that frequency in your body. And you breathe through it and you create safety and you let it show you what part of you needs to be nurtured at this time. Because these stories are only coming up right now because of something in the past. The only reason that I made my miscarriage mean that I wasn't worthy and I didn't mean to, and I didn't, I wasn't meant to become a mom and I wasn't meant to be happy and all of these silly stories was because it was pulling something out from my childhood. I already had the program of I'm unworthy. I don't deserve happiness. I'm a failure at everything I do and life is hard. I already had those programs installed. Having a miscarriage just triggered them to be front and center of my reality. I really need you to understand that. Because that's why some women can go through a miscarriage and not make it mean that they are a pathetic waste of a human being. Like seriously, that's what I thought. So it's recognizing that instead of becoming swirled and sucked in and consumed by these stories that you're reaffirming, you're actually using it as a window and a portal to say, oh, this is actually bringing up an old story that is ready to be healed. And now I can take it through my healing process and come out the other side and replace that limiting belief with a new upgraded and empowering belief. Not because I wrote it down on a piece of paper and I crossed it out. I'm not enough. 
and you know point a little arrow next to it i am enough and affirm that in the mirror it's a lot deeper than that <laughs> it's a lot deeper than that so i digress by the way if you want to know how to do this my fertility mindset workshop is where you need to go and just go to my instagram it's fertility mindset workshop link in my bio get your hands on that if you really want to learn this process so going back to this sadness right that i finally allowed myself to feel this is often going to be really really scary for you to go I've been doing this work for a long time now and you might be just starting to do it. So don't expect like you're just going to waltz in and skipping with a basket full of muffins towards the end of a rainbow like, oh yay, I'm gonna go feel my sadness now. No, your nervous system is going to feel like it is on the edge of a cliff and it's about to be pushed over. It is gonna be so triggered, so up in that stress response that it's probably not even going to let you go near feeling that sadness. And I, you know, it's, that's just why I'm here as a coach. That's why I have these programs the way that I have them. It's because you need that guidance to go through it and you need to be held and led. Think of like this process of walking through a really dense forest blindfolded with your ears plugged. <laughs> and, you know, your coach says, okay, just keep walking. I'll see you on the other side. And there's supposed to be like this trail that goes through it. But how do you get there? How do you fumble around and get there? You can't see anything. You could literally be stuck there for years trying to fumble around to try to find the path to get to the other side. Just like coaches and mentors have done to me, they have led me to the trail. They have led me out of the middle of wherever I'm stuck towards the trail. And then they guided me along the trail to the other side. And that's the best way that I can describe like what we do inside of the program. I can tell you what we're doing on this podcast, but I can't be there with you right now and actually show you and guide you because we're all so unique and we're all experiencing something on a deeper level. But the point of this podcast today, if it's made any sense at all, is just to know that what you're feeling on this journey right now how you're feeling in your relationships, I know that it feels like this is just how it's gonna be forever, like you're stuck, like you've lost yourself, like you don't know how to get back home to yourself. And I promise you, like there is a very clear step-by-step -step on how to do that. Out of the 10 years of personal development that I've dove into, Working with your energy is the only thing that has actually allowed me to change who I am. Not just pretend on the outside. And even all that I know and all that I've experienced, there are still new layers that I am exposing. Like this pattern of pushing it down, pushing down the resentment, pushing down the anger, pushing down the unfairness and the victim mentality, 
just keep going, just keep distracting yourself, just focus on the next day until eventually you crack. And it's that cracking point, that rock bottom, it's the calm before this, it's, it's the calm before the storm. No, it's the storm before the calm, right? It's the, can you just be here and be present to it without needing to escape from it? Because when you have the tools to be able to do that, you get to become something new from it. You get to be the Phoenix that rises out of the ashes. Or you can stay stuck there, circling, self-sabotaging, continuing to hit the same ceiling over and over and over again. (sighs) I'll be really curious to see how this episode lands with people. (laughs) Uh, Because, you know, it's quite different than what we normally talk about. But one of the big things that I am working on is just being authentic with you all and deepening that connection because you know what? If getting pregnant was just about the steps and the strategy, you'd be there right now. And that's why holistic fertility method is so much more than just the steps. I always get this question like, why like why is this program why is the investment so big? Like I'll I'll just do this myself. And I'm like, yeah, go for it. Feel free. But here's the thing. All the steps are out there. You've done all of the steps. You're keeping track of your nutrition and you're making sure you're sleeping and you're tracking your ovulation and you're doing all of the things but it's still not working it's so much more than just the steps it's so much more than checking off the to-dos how many times are you going to tweak your nutrition how many times are you going to pull up Google and search for new supplements because the ones you're currently on just clearly aren't working? How many times are you going to dial up that fertility specialist thinking that they hold the answers? Come on, you know better than that. And if you don't, like the lesson is right there waiting for you. I say that with love because that was me. I had to go through all of the hardest lessons to get to where I am today. And I still choose the hardest path every single time. But it's why my programs are loaded (laughs) with the shifts that you actually need in order to get pregnant. And I know I say this a lot, but seriously, you guys, the rate of success of women who conceive inside of our program is jaw dropping. Just this last couple of weeks, we had what, four pregnancy announcements? We don't have a lot of women in our programs. <laughs> we have a small, intimate amount. 
And I can count, I think on one hand, the amount of women who are still on their journey. But you know the difference between these five women who are still trying to get pregnant and haven't quite got there yet? Is that who they are is completely changed. They no longer make their lack of getting pregnant yet mean anything about them. They're no longer consumed with their fertility journey and they're now living their life. They're no longer resenting their partner and disconnected from all their friends and family and human experience because they feel so unworthy and unfair. They've reinvented who they are. They've healed so many past wounds and traumas. Instead of feeling triggered when hearing about other women getting pregnant, they rejoice knowing that the miracles are so close to them that their success is inevitable. Imagine what that would do for you in your journey if you could just let go of this struggle and let go of all those emotions you're suppressing. If you could let go of the loneliness and disconnect and the walls that you're putting up around yourself. If you could let go of the fear of what life is going to be like if it doesn't turn out exactly how you want it to. If you could surrender that maybe, just maybe for one second, that you don't know everything there is to know. And that maybe for just one second, there is a greater force that is holding you with so much love and is just waiting for you to realize what you are truly made of. And if just for one second, you could believe that what is on your heart right now, that what you desire is inevitable. And all that is required is just shifting into that energy. So no call to action today. Just let this simmer. Just see what this brings up for you. If you have been heard, if you have been seen today, if you have been validated, um, go ahead and tell me on Instagram. Message me. DM me. Slide into my DMs. <laughs> Let me know how this resonated with you so that we can have a conversation. Because if you haven't noticed, I'm kind of in this for you. <laughs> But you got to let me know how you're doing with this stuff so I can be there for you. All right, loves. I'll let you go today. If you're out for a walk, on a drive, on your lunch break, I hope you had a beautiful time with me today. And we'll catch you next week. Just let me know if this was really helpful for you and you want more content like this. All right, loves. Bye-bye.